You know, I, I don't know. I don't get into any like deep arguments, debates with people. Um, if you ask me a question, and that means you you're open for an answer, and um, I deal with it that way. I believe that most people approach things, or the, the confusion that I see is one person thinks they're right and they believe the other person is wrong, um, and vice versa. And I and that's where I think that if you listen with compassion, like you're trying to really understand what this person is, will means by whatever action it is they're taking, um, you'll walk away much better. Welcome to Movement Matters, you movers, you movementers. How are you? Today's guest is a dear, dear friend of mine. I've known Robin Crawford since twenty, early 2014, late 2013. We couldn't remember exactly when we met. Um, we met professionally at first. Actually, she approached working with me back then at that time. And we did, and we quickly became really, really good friends. We have kids of similar ages. She is too. I have Griffin and her and her lovely partner, uh, wife, Lisa, and Griffin and me and their, their two kids would spend many a, many a lovely afternoon together before they moved. And the sad thing is they moved. They moved um, up to Essex County in New Jersey and... We don't get to see each other as much, but that may be changing given the fact that we've just done two back-to-back episodes. And as you'll hear, there will be a third. This could very well just become the Colin and Robert, Rob, Colin and Robert, Colin and Robin show. And that wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, at least I think so. We'll see what you think. You have to let us know. Maybe I can talk Robin into becoming a co-host. She sure would be good at it. I, I like the balance. That's actually a great idea, Robin. I hope you're into that. <laughs> Before I say anything really more about Robin, I um and in you know, thank any sponsors, because there are there are a few. There are six. Um, and they're all basically just baked goods people. That's not true. I just think a lot about the donuts, apparently. It is my challenge the baked good <laughs> everybody's got to have something right um, before I say more about Robin and the uh, sponsors I will I, I think it's important that I consistently give some context as to what ha, how does everything that we are discussing relate to movement because it isn't necessarily obvious so, so thus far with Adam and Kristen and Campbell there's been some relative Diversity, I'd say. And Campbell, of course, had a, we were focused on, I think, moving in a really direct way with breath, you know, the primary component of being a 
mammal, but especially a human, is the need for air, exchange of oxygen and CO2 back and forth. And that is movement at its finest. There's air, electricity, blood, metabolism, and eventually it's the more obvious, more superficial, apparent, um, visible global movements and movements in general, like walking and running and squatting and jumping and climbing and hiking and kayaking. And it goes on dancing. Most, I think dancing and singing are probably the most important ones. But movement is life. Life is movement. And the conversation with Campbell was more directly related to that. The conversation with Kristen was more directly related to that, primarily because she uh, also has a background in somatics, like Campbell and myself, um, as a very accomplished yoga teacher, to say the least, and nutrition expert, to say the least as well, and so much more. But we didn't even get into much of that. We were focused on power, and that's where I want to make sure that I, I'm keeping you all uh, in the loop and on the same page. The focus was more on power and authority and, to some extent, hierarchy and and systems, which is exactly what I want to make clear in this intro. The, the significance of this season in particular is going to be that we're going to focus more on systems intentionally over and over and over. Now, with Adam, that was the same as well in episode one. Um, and the systemic absolutism, I'd say, is the the overall theme with that conversation. But systems, and specifically as a relatively obvious movement-oriented foundation for everything is the nervous system. To me, movement is life and life is movement. Mm-hmm. And I didn't come up with half of that quote. I just added part of it. I added the um, you are life part because the quote originally is life is movement. We added the you are life part here at Coru. And that's true. And the easiest way to understand how you are life and life is movement is to orient yourself as a nervous system. In other words, to perceive yourself primarily and consistently with respect to being a nervous system. Having a brain, having a spinal cord, having the ability to transfer information, whatever you want to call it, electricity, through your body and for it to just be happening without your voluntary input or choice or, um, yeah, without it being deliberate at all. It's just the reality of being alive, especially as a human. And it is, it's almost sort of redundant to have to say as a human, but that's the, that is actually part of why it's so important to um, frame it this way, because we need to remember we're, we are <laughs> constantly perceiving as humans. So even if we try to like, extrapolate life and existence from some sort of non-nervous system, if you will, paradigm. The ability to even do that (laughs) is as a nervous system, as a body. If that sounds kind of ridiculous, it kind of is. The ability to even perceive yourself and life at all no matter how you choose to perceive it, is dependent upon being 
neuro having a nervous system, being neurologically um, foundation, yeah, founded, grounded. It's a lot of words, I know, but it's worth beating the drum here because I don't think it's necessarily obvious why this is all about movement or how movement is the glue here. And so you have to understand that the nervous system part of movement is the key. Understanding and perceiving yourself neurologically. My expertise, specifically me, Colin, not, not Koru in general, not movement matters and the guests and the conversation in general, but my specific expertise is to not hone in on one detail, but to consistently frame things with more of a big picture or bird's eye view or pull out and look look a little bit further back. In this episode, Robin and I do get into specifics, which is a big part of why we want to um why I'm giving a really lengthy intro as I'm going to do every maybe few episodes, but especially with this one cuz um there's actually a lot of current event related conversation in this. But I want to preface all of that by saying nothing really that we're discussing is about to throw out some names and topics that are not meant to be provocative, just uh, relevant. <laughs> this is not about Joe Rogan. This is not about vaccines. This is not about mandates. And in part two, for sure, it's not about 18 wheelers and Canada and Justin Trudeau or masks or blue or red or purple for that matter blah 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 and i i say that not to be flippant about anything because there is a lot and robin and i touch on everything with i think the res- the relevant sensitivity and respect that is deserved but i am going to in this broad strokes kind of manner say that the conversation isn't about these things in particular at all it's about the systematic the systemic details the systematic components what's really behind the scenes and that's what i am always driving at and i'm not suggesting that we give absolute clarity ever that's actually not even what i think is possible i am suggesting though that these conversations are consistently pushing us to see that there's, well, here's how I would frame it best. There are underlying beliefs and compulsions which are driving us without our being aware of them, hence their compulsions. There is a lot which we are not fully aware of or even somewhat aware of. And what matters to me most over and over and over, no matter what the topic, even, (laughs) well, actually, no. The only time when it doesn't matter is when we're just playing. That's why I said singing and dancing is so increasingly valuable. Just playing. Otherwise, if we're engaged in intentionally exploring and, and wanting to uncover something, the awareness is so critical no matter what we discover, what's the next question? What's the next component to pay attention to? 
So I brought with me a quote here. Um, one of my favorite podcasts, big picture podcasts, whenever I recommend this to people, is um, your, underli- uh, your Undivided Attention. And <clears throat> if you're not listening to it, it's one of the few that I will champion. And um, it, it's so worth paying attention to. So I'm actually going to paraphrase something from the two hosts who are quoting in this particular moment in one of their recent podcasts, um, Danella Meadows, who wrote Thinking in Systems. So they're, they're talking about, so it has a lot to do with the social dilemma, the people who are behind that largely. And there's something from the social dilemma that they mention in their, one of their recent podcasts and the questioning of, so what is the value of a tree? You know, of course, it provides shade and roots and there's a whole ecosystem, whether it's um, the insects or the birds or and everything in between, the birds and the bees and and even the the fungus that is both related to both living with it and helping it to be consistently transformative. How do we value a tree? And if we just value anything as a pure commodity, which is to say in this case, lumber as a number, that wasn't meant to rhyme. <laughs> lumber is the key word there. We're negating all of the complexity of both this particular piece of a system and the system. So when we overly commodify, that's what we're doing. And that, that's a very big subject. I'm not going to try to unpack that completely in the intro, but it comes up in the conversation, commodification. Um, and it, it's been coming up a lot in many conversations, not just on this podcast. It's a big part of why we consider Koru Real Wellness to be an education center, not part of the wellness, so to speak, industry. Again, I'll say more about that some other time. This is a very significant challenge to <laughs> to seemingly our normal way of thinking, you know, to look at things in parts. Parts of a system, perhaps, but still parts and not inherently as Danello Meadows would have us see them, and now I'm quoting her, as a complex, finite, ecological, social, physiological, economic system. Everything is that. That's my footnote. Everything is, a, and everything is part of, so simultaneously is this and part of this, a complex, interconnected, finite, ecological, social, physiological, economic system. We treat the world, she says, as if it were not this, as if it were divisible, separable, simple, and infinite. I think the finite and infinite is infinite is the primary piece here, by the way, especially when we come to this commodity component. And our persistent, intractable global problems arise directly from this mismatch. I agree with her, for the record. (laughs) Uh, Fundamentally. I think there are more deeper, um, almost maybe perhaps uh, purely psychological, but she does integrate social there, um, realities and foundations for these problems but in principle i agree with what she's getting at here and i want you to be thinking about that as you listen to robin and me and in general as you listen to movement matters we're talking about 
How do both, there are many things we're describing. This compulsivity is a big, big piece. Um, but the reality that we need to be looking more and, and, and acting, hopefully, as a result, more in terms of systems. Why do we need to be doing that? Look, the simplest answer and really the honest one is because the alternative is a less than ideal life. <laughs> it's a question of whether or not we want to enjoy life and share that joy and maximize the potential for the, for joy for all of life. In that case, it can be that black and white. That's the why if we need a better why, if we need to really consider why. Okay, I've said enough, as I am wont to do, right? Um, excuse me. I'm going to read Ro Robin's bio. I don't know why I want to keep saying a different name, but we got to mention a few sponsors. Um, coming up next uh, after Robin is one of our sponsors, actually. Mr. Paul Mentzel himself, the man, the myth, the legend behind Philadelphia Table Company. Can't wait to have you meet him. And he uh, is really, really busy. In fact, I, I don't want to spill any secret or give away any secrets here, but there's a very strong possibility they're going to be opening a shop here uh, closer to our home base here in Doylestown. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, though, speaking of our home base, not just because of those delicious baked goods, but because they have the best oat milk lattes in town, go check out Native Cafe. Congratulations to Jay on and the family on uh, the new baby girl, and can't wait to meet her someday. Um, go in there, support the fam, support the local business. They also have these amazing drinks in the cooler, by the way. They're, they're consistently very fun to get. Griffin loves those. Um, I mentioned Duck Donuts. We need to highlight them again soon. Actually, that too will be increasingly relevant because Mildred is going to be joining us actually in six days um, from when I'm recording this intro. That is, You won't hear the episode when you hear this, but uh, Mildred is coming on soon. That'll be fun. Definitely going to be digging into systems there. And the Serve East Bros, they're going to be doing an event just as a transition to talk about uh, events here at Koru on March 25th, Friday, March 25th. So mark your calendars. We're having a cooking class with the Serve East Events brothers and family, March 25th. They're one of our sponsors as well. And uh, not lastly, but of course, I'll mention Ortiz Art. This podcast is brought to you by Ortiz Art. Check it out. He's actually probably open to commissioning new pieces as we speak. Um, working on some new big projects there. And if you want to see any of that, let me know. We have plenty to show you. And of course, again, um, soon enough, the Rodale Institute and all things Earth Day are going to be, you're going to be hearing more about that. And I'm co-hosting two events with Jeff Katch, who's um, our connection to the Rodale Institute. So check all that out. Keep Put all that in your calendar. I'll be reiterating it quite a bit. Now with that, that very full introduction, here's what you need to know about Robin Crawford. 
and then you can enjoy the chat. So Robin was born and raised in northern New Jersey, where she spent her high school and college years playing basketball. She was recruited by Montclair State Division I school, ranked third in the nation at the time, FYI, and after two years transferred to Monmouth University, also a D1 school. As a semi-pro, she traveled the U.S. with a team appropriately called the New Jersey Big Heads. <laughs> Crawford spent over two decades in the music industry as well, with a focus on artist management and branding for Whitney Houston and various new artists and producers. She also worked in production of live music events and print casting before deciding to tap into her past by delving into her former passion, sports. That's how she met me. She was also able to combine the knowledge gained through her past accomplishments when she appointed to when she was appointed to special projects director at ESPN the magazine. In her five years there, her primary responsibility was finding ways to pair high-profile athletes with celebrities, which she did for the magazine, as well as the brand's television network and various digital platforms. She's lived a life, in other words, to say the least. Today, Robin is a certified personal trainer, actually, through the through NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine. And in her own words, this is a direct quote, I have always maintained the nature and lifestyle of an athlete, rising early with a smile and zest for the day and winding down in the evening after a healthy meal. I'm at a point in my life where I want to help others understand the body, how it works and how to maintain its strength and overall well-being. Robin is especially interested in working with youth and senior populations, and I can attest to her expertise in both both of whom she enjoys enormously and feels uniquely suited to serve, and she is. As I mentioned earlier, today Robin lives in Essex County, New Jersey, with her wife and 11-year-old twins. Together they enjoy hiking, swimming, music, adventurous road trips, and playing lots of board games. And with that, Robin Crawford. Welcome to Doylestown. Welcome back to Doylestown. Mm-hmm. On the real. On the real. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a reference to the business? Yeah. Ah, oh, thanks, thanks. Real wellness. <clears throat> At core. Yeah, we don't peddle that fake stuff. Mm-mm. What's that? <sighs> I, that's the thing, right? I don't want to pretend like, you know, the danger with such a proclamation is that you, you're, first off, arrogantly suggesting that something is fake and i don't want to do that Mm. that's not it the intention is to suggest that there is something that's real and reflects reality and we can all relate to it and it's an the intention is to invite us to kind of reorganize with that as the priority Mm -hmm. it's not an opposition to what's real and i've had to or to what's fake so no to speak. i i feel you and the reality of, had to navigate that <laughs> no 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 you're right you want but i think your, we all have to navigate you that. want your energy to flow so you know it's something you want to adopt to your everyday living so yeah i think everything literally has value it has a place it has a purpose it's just context and i'm not going to go on that soapbox within the first one minute of us <laughs> recording, so I'll toss a bunch of money at you, <laughs> coins. Oh, 
on the soapbox you usually get. Cute. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all good. Yeah. It's Never all thought. good. It is. It is. So did you enjoy yourself? I absolutely. So far? I had, I'm having the best time. You know, <laughs> I came in here open and willing to take Very your early. Lead. Yeah. I, I believe in that. I like to take my time. It was beautiful. Uh, the ride took me to back road of 513. It was just beauty. Lots of clouds. Oh, you didn't of, take the, no, I the hit, busy. I hit 78 for a minute, but I made sure I took exit 15 and came up the back way because I knew it'd be gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Jersey style. So, Three-year-old stomping mm-hmm, grounds. River Road along the Delaware. I had the nerve to think about George Washington because it was icy out there. I was <laughs> like, I wonder, yeah, I could see they had a hard time. But, yeah, um, about a month ago, right? And that was supposed to be like right before Christmas. I correct, think. correct. Yeah, it wasn't icy at Christmas this year or this past Christmas, but sometimes it is today. Two, yeah, two Christmases ago, twenty twenty one, it was, and it is today. I gotta get over to the river uh, and get in the river. <laughs> yeah. I know we didn't do that. I wasn't gonna push that. Today. I've seen pictures, video yeah. of you in the river with the crew. So. Yeah, Hell yeah. <clears throat> we have to schedule our our next little plunge. But I didn't expect you to be getting in the, the ice bath today, for the record, or the sauna, for that matter. I but love next them time both. if you want. Oh, I'll I'll come with my my birthday suit for both. Good, I'll do that. <clears throat> um. So, did thinking of George Washington was there more to that? Were you were you like? channeling his essence in some way no, for no, yourself no. Oh, thinking I, of yourself as the leader <laughs> of the free world no or i wasn't we, going that deep i was yeah. just you know my mind was free and i was aware fully of what was going on around me and i enjoyed it took me straight here no sudden, problem and early so yeah well we had gone back and forth i was surprised at how early you were and i'm glad and you got to hang out with tim it's cool. good Beautiful being that Tim. So I enjoyed him and um, his journey to Coral and um, how he met you. And probably met around the same time as when you and I met, which you and I were just talking. I never remember if it was 2014 or 15. I keep going back and 15, forth. 15, I think it you know that, yeah. Oh, good. Let's go with that then. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was 2015. I think I met Tim that year too ballpark yep <clears throat> good energy taken in the room still mm-hmm. yeah this space is is happening it's good it's it, you know it's just what i wanted when i left home i wanted to get away and you know let you assess the structure that i got going on here and um you did that now i'm gonna go home and Work on that and return. It's like a tune-up, like like a car. It is, and it's it's interesting how this right behind you, this verbiage that I'll read, um, the black writing there. Forget the top banner there; that that's irrelevant. <laughs> Alex and I brainstorm on this, and that's that's what came out of our session this morning, Alex and me. 
Um, but I think it's extremely relevant to what you just explored with me and what you're going to, what you mean about a tune up. And <clears throat> we, this just flowed right off the cuff. The intention is to create a culture of ease, first and foremost, within oneself. And by doing so, we can create a culture of ease around us and with each other. Priority number one. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is a choice of which requires discipline. It's deliberate. And I'm always paying attention to this particular word. It allows for the freedom. Is that mm-hmm. the word you thought you turned mm-hmm. for? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the freedom, people, you, we, so beautifully, because I do think it's a good thing to desire, so beautifully desire. Oh. But the ease in the ease and the discipline is kind of the point there. Um, within I think what's, oneself. Within oneself and not, yeah, we need, we're getting more, well, I'm very, very confident about that at this point in my life, much more so than when we met for sure, you know, seven years later, world's confidence compared to then. And yeah, that's what we're teaching. That's what we're sharing. That's the, Mm-hmm. That's the objective. That's what's different than these other brands that we were paying our respects to this morning. Mm-hmm. The, the key being, yeah, that culture of ease and not just for oneself, but for all. And I don't thus far know of a greater priority, and especially if people care about that freedom thing. <laughs> yeah, that word gets tossed around. I like how you turned at it. What, is it, what does it bring up for you? Uh, we got to know a little bit about you. Because I'm not going to pry into your background, I promise you that. Oh, please do. <laughs> I mean, well, you 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 got to start with yourself and where you're at. Um, only only you know. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Only you know how you feel, and um, all your fears. And we all have have them. Um, you know what you're confident about, what comes easily to you, and um, the ability to create, the ability to be, you know, not feel like you have to put on, like change who you are to accomplish whatever that may be. Whatever you know, if you if you decide to draw something, however that manifested for you, that that's it, you know. And as long as you put yourself wholesomely into it, to that approach, I mean, that's freedom. Freedom to create, freedom to express yourself, and not be judged by it, or not care how people feel about it. As long as you're not hurting someone else and or hurting yourself and your intent, you know where, where you're coming from, then you should be confident in that. It's kind of like... Well, that's the key, though, mm-hmm. not doing those things. Hmm. Well. Or that, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road in terms of going beyond just your own thoughts and feelings and beyond yourself and having a you know an inherently more complex context like well when there's more than one <laughs> ease within <Where> <laughs> oneself yeah <laughs> first first 
or at least as <clears throat> a consistent foundation that you can prioritize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people have that. And I guess that's kind of the point. Or I'm willing to declare that. I don't think enough of us feel that. No. I mean, it takes, I'm, it takes a lot of work for me to maintain that. I think, um, well, in light of everything that's going on today, the energy. Yeah, keep going. I got to figure this out, though. I want you to be. <laughs> I'm good. The ener- I want you to be, the ener- back the, be comfortable. The energy. You might need a handheld mic. <laughs> yeah, we, hello? No. I know the, it's going to be a pain in the butt to edit if you. Uh, no, I know. Turn around there. Go look at it. The energy that we that we're You're used expressing to it, today like, is following. strapped on. No, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. This, this is good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. The energy. I did do a couple of these interviews actually at Sirius, and they had the exact same setup. Oh, yeah, I would think. Like, yeah. Exa- I mean, exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. It wasn't here. It was that. When you've been on like TV, though, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's probably more that. Plus, well, Mike, stu- if it's live, yeah. more so, but. But at radio stations, it's pretty much placed, and that mic is right there. It'll pick it up. I just know it'll be varied. Anyway, go go on. Yeah, you. The, yeah. The times. The, yeah. The world as. I it. think if we look more within ourselves and deal, really focus, put ourselves first. That practice, everything else will really open up or fall in line for you. You got to work on yourself first. And um, it's kind of like why I came up here. I was going to say, of course, so we're, we're looking at, of course, we discovered some interesting things about your pelvic area and um, something a little surprising there mm-hmm. um, on a purely just lateral sense, left to right. Not so much the front back. That's a little bit, honestly, more normal. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that's a unique detail. Normal. Normal meaning... <laughs> <laughs> common mm-hmm. meaning uh habitual mm-hmm. not normal meaning natural that's a distinction i like to make mm-hmm. normal meaning habitual and common mm-hmm. the patterns that i think are yeah commonplace but uh the key of course is to what extent is have you had to and are continuing to and i'm happy to talk for myself as well mm-hmm. um create more ease within yourself how have you had to do that and what clearly there's something about your skeletal system that just appeared but it's obviously not just about your skeletal system mm. that's 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 the part well you know i i have two children and they're 12 and i spend a lot of time listening instead of talking um you know, they're super bright kids but i want to hear what they have to say and have a lot to say. So I've turned more into a real listener with my young people, my babies. And um, because I feel like this is their world and um, it's important to me how they see it. Mm. And so I've learned how to be a lot more patient which um, was something I wasn't always good at. And um, I've also learned to be silent and quiet 
and um, that's that's turned out to be a real a real opening in my spirit for me. Just spending time by myself where I'm not bored with myself. You know, you see, one time, you know, my mom would say, I would come out, I'd say, you know, I'm really bored. She was like, you're bored with yourself. But now I, during that time when I'm alone, I just look at nature, um, no music, I don't need any music, concentrating on my breathing, really practicing that and calming my spirit when I feel like I'm a little agitated about something, but really just keeping control of my thoughts, you know, knowing that they're there, whatever is frustrating me, whatever I'm trying to achieve, whatever work that I have before me, like being able to put the, put that where it, put it down, get it away from me. You know, when I'm in the shower, I know I'm in there. I'm not thinking about anything else at all. And that took a lot of practice because my mind would wander. I would be planning in the shower what I was going to do. I, I really working on continuing every day to, you know, be mindful of what I'm doing. Even on the drive here, being mindful of trying to enjoy the ride and not feeling like, get out of my way. I want to, you know, I got to hurry up and get there. Just, I need to be an hour early, yeah, not 45 yeah, minutes yeah. early. <laughs> well, I, I left with ample time, you know, for surprises. Especially if you're taking the back roads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, I know where the beauty is in this part of town. This is my old stomping ground, so it feels like home. One of your old stomping grounds, for mm -hmm. sure. But you've you've had... An adventure-filled life. Oh yeah, I've been. Alone. As you're describing where you're at now, and I don't even know your age, and you don't have to say, but I know you've lived a very rich life, adventure-filled life. Mm. <clears throat> and it doesn't mean you have to be "quote unquote" older for that to happen. But you, you've put in a lot of miles, mm -hmm. been and a lot enough. more to come. Clearly, I mean, given what we just explored, there's often. No matter what. What I'm getting mm -hmm. at, of course, is what, or maybe not, of course, but the question is, how would you, do you have any sense of what you, that sounds different today than it was at any point in your life, mm. this awareness. And do you wish that you had it earlier? It's an interesting, it's a strange question. I don't know if I've, it's not like a regret question. It's just. No, I wonder. A yeah. I wonder what that would have felt like or what decisions I would have made differently had I known how to be, just be. Um, and, you know, because I believe that my life. All things are meant to, is, there are no surprises in it. They're, they're meant to, um, they're meant to, I'd like to believe that 
the people that I've met in my lifetime were meant to well, that's cross exactly paths. yeah. I'll qualify and give that this footnote. It's not a regret question because that's not something mm-hmm. I'd even want to consider, and it's a boring question. It's because you're a teacher. You've written a very important book. You have a lot to share, mm-hmm. and I know people who have been in similar shoes that you've been in and are still in do not mm-hmm. know what you are describing. And it's curious to me what you could impart that, of course, we don't. And when we become more aware, we want to share what we've learned. We want to share this awareness. We want people to, at minimum, have that sense of ease within themselves. And right. I can imagine a lot of people who have been in similar shoes to you who don't have that and maybe struggle for that. And you've been through a lot and you, I can, I'm pretty confident that you want to teach people what you've learned to some extent, partly why, and that's why you wrote a book, partly, I think. Well, yeah, I, I wrote a book to, it was time for me to share what that experience was like. Um, and it was time only because everyone else was talking about my life. And I found that really odd because I'm the one that lived it. <laughs> it's really strange. But um Well, that's inevitable, of course, with mm-hmm. the public Yeah, being so public, but but then you only know the Yeah, it's like, well I you might think you know, but But you I couldn't fit that that whole time into this book. First of all, I, it was my first book, A Song for You, My Life with Whitney Houston. And um, my contribution to that is the story. You know, that's what I lived. Um, But my publishers, they know how to put a book together. That's not, they knew down to the number of pages to, I I couldn't even, I felt like I could have a part one, part two. But... um, that's the way I felt with them. They're looking at a whole nother thing. So um, it's it's like if you're writing a show, once you hand in your final draft, they're going to edit and they don't want you to look at what they took out. And it's a team. You have to trust that you wrote it and you're going to read their edit from the beginning to the end. And if something jumps out at you that you feel should go back in, that's what that's how you do it. So, you know, obviously that experience of traveling the world at a very young age, um, meeting all amazing people, um, everyone from Frank Sinatra to Ella Fitzgerald to Lena Horne to Nelson Mandela. Uh, I remember the chapter. You gave me the uh, <laughs> the rough draft of the chapter with Michael Jackson. Yes. Remember that? I did. Yeah. I did. I did. I did. You're funny. I did. I wanted, I wanted you to have that. I was really proud of that chapter because I could actually I see very, it. I remember very, very vividly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I think about it now, you know, and I I think about yeah, that, my that's life. That's a big topic onto itself, right? Which uh, yeah. I am tempted to poke at, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, 
Try it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> no, but really, um, when I think about well, it goes back to that, this freedom thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. You know, when you work next to someone at such a high profile, there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of, um, you know, loyalty, and I really care about people who currently work with, you know, high-profile personalities, whether they be athletes, authors, you know, directors. And when you have someone that close to you, you want to know that they are being loyal and um, trusting uh, players in your space. And I, and I care about how people see me writing a book about my life and how that affects them. So it's a lot. It's not just how it affects me as a person, because you think you're going to silence people when you really don't. They just keep talking. They keep telling their version of the story. Um, Can you tell me, what do you mean by that? You think you're going to silence people? Well, do you when, mind getting specific um, or clarifying? My book is about a friendship um, oh, okay, right. It's yeah. a, a and I didn't if know you, if you meant Michael Jackson. No, 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 no. No, I didn't mean Mike. I, the Jackson estate has their stuff down to a T. Um, yeah, and, it, it, and Mike laugh, was awesome. Laughing about that, I know some people would find offense to. And then I, I'll just, I guess, be a little more transparent. Not, mm -hmm. again, we didn't plan any particular path for our connection, our our conversation i should say mm -hmm. there is a for many reasons but not just because of your book and because of everything that you've experienced personally but the broader questions about how to relate to the controversial the um the other and uh i, I could actually read a quote to you that i think is pretty relevant and i'll, I'll get it in a moment because mm -hmm. i left my phone elsewhere and it's on that but yeah, I, I think because of who you are, it is an interesting conversation to have. Like, what do we mm -hmm. do about others, so to speak? And I, do you know what I mean by others? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you, you can't. It's like the most diplomatic wording for it, right? Well, people are going to feel the way they feel. They're going to think about things. The, like, everyone's interpretation is different, you know? And... um it's been two, it's been 10 years almost uh, since Whitney, you know, since she moved on. And she's in the news all the time. You know, she's just movies, uh, people writing books, and um, she's that kind of being that left a lot of uh, people feeling certain ways, you know, whether it be for the national anthem, you know, her name comes up all the time because of the brilliance that she shared vocally and during that moment. It's funny, I spend a lot of time when I listen to the national anthem, I don't even listen to the music. I listen to her sing it a cappella, which is absolutely amazing because then you really see 
and and hear the perfection, like the phrasing, the the bounce from one bottom note to the mid-range, bouncing back down, the breath, you hear it, how brilliant, like she was at it. And I think that's why it feels the way it feels, because she just knew that instrument so well and was such an executioner when it came to it. Is that the right word? She could execute brilliantly. And um, that's where the magic is. So you listen to that acapella, you know why we got what we got. Yeah, I still listen to I Will Always Love You, and I love it. I mm. I rock out to it. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Good, A lot of that album. Yeah, she's, it's hard to think who, right. <laughs> the bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, that, no, it was, you know, friends... I try to tell people, you know, I believe friendships, it doesn't matter about the space uh, or the distance. You know, if, if someone is a real friend, it's they're always there. You can always tap that anytime. Well, on that note and, and that general note as well, I'll read this quote since I just mentioned it a moment ago. <clears throat> Not my quote. Um, In the age of hypercriticism and polarization and the logical fallacy that if someone disagrees with you, they are inherently immoral, learning or they're an inherently immoral person, Mm. distinction without a difference maybe, learning to rehumanize them, to rehumanize each other is a valuable skill in the work of the brave. Mm-hmm. Seems relevant. No right or wrong. <sighs> no right or wrong, and yet no wrong with there being occasional wrong. In other words, how how into the weeds of that do you want to go? <laughs> I mean, you, you you can go pretty deep. You, I know you and I can. I'm long, I just I'm always. Yeah, you seem very comfortable. So just the Michael Jackson topic, but then more relevant to today, because of course that's for many of us irrelevant. For mm-hmm. for very specific people that's relevant, but for many of us, um, we weren't part of that. And I and your chapter was just nice to read, actually. Mm-hmm. It had not, obviously it had nothing to do with any of those more controversial things, but more relevant controversial details, especially around uh freedom of speech mm-hmm. which i think relates to him to some extent how do you think we're doing with that and there are a lot of present day examples yeah that's it's way out of hand well uh, yeah i don't think i can't tell if we're doing a good job humanizing rehumanizing but i love that phrase rehumanize each other well, I think that... How do you think we're doing Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't get into any, like, deep arguments, debates with people. Um, if you ask me a question, <laughs> and that means you're, you're open for an answer. 
and um, I deal with it that way. I believe that most people approach things or the, the confusion that I see is one person thinks they're right and they believe the other person is wrong um, and vice versa. And I and that's where I think that if you listen with compassion, like you're trying to really understand what this person is well, means by whatever action it is they're taking, um, you'll walk away much better. I, I can't believe that you it will be angry um, or you'll be disappointed when you leave because I believe that if you list if you generally if you're genuine when you're listening to someone that maybe you don't disagree with, I mean, you don't agree with, and you're trying to understand them. If that person has some pain or some discomfort, if you really listen to them, they're going to feel a lot better. Even if you didn't, you know, like come to a conclusion, if you listen for that moment, that person is going to leave with a feeling of, huh, that was interesting. You know, because you you don't you're not you're not listening so to you're this parenting. Yeah. Well, I guess so. You're not listening to this person to say something back to them immediately. You're listening to them and allowing the words and the energy of the conversation to just float around you. And I just think we just need to take more time and listen instead of talking. I mean you got to hear. Yeah, I meant what I meant about what I just said about parenting and interjected there as a as a valuable context that you're referring. You mentioned the listening with regard to your two children and mm-hmm. you weren't always a parent, you became a parent and this is something that's become more clear and more I'm be- apparent to I'm, you I'm beco- <laughs> the value. <laughs> I'm, be- I'm becoming a parent every day. <laughs> It's, it's that's a good that's a fun wording it's the choice mm-hmm. the choice to parent and for you part of what that means is intentional listening being open being yeah and staying that mm-hmm. way as much as possible well that's a big deal and yeah, so deal. <laughs> <laughs> i think of the from that quote the immoral word and to me these are these are themes that I explore with everybody mm. in different wording and from different uh, with different backgrounds, so different points of view. But the consistency is is undeniable. Morality seems so hypocritical in, at this stage in in human evolution and the understanding of our the understanding that we're capable of. It's it's almost a joke. Yeah. Well, from a simple. The more the most asinine example, I think, is a political one. Like if you think that there's a right and wrong in terms of politics, you're just your head's up your ass. You're mm. completely hypocritical, mm-hmm. e- or even just somewhat hypocritical <laughs> to think in a political context of right and wrong. You're there's just some layer of hypocrisy, and. Then going to a more, I'm trying to avoid certain 
annoying cliches and phrases going to the context of just well just culture in general mm-hmm. you didn't you don't need to get specific but i think what you kind of just acknowledged is everybody's there's <clears throat> a reason it's not to say things don't need to be dealt with in a certain manner being willing to understand each other is hard. And like that quote says, the work of the brave mm-hmm. and the openness that's required there, the willingness to listen that's required in that is, is a lot. It's, mm-hmm. There's a lot of effort. It takes work. And everything else is essentially just morality, <laughs> Con- condemning or condoning. And it's not just lazy, it's useless and arguably... Mm-hmm. Arguably almost completely destructive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe not completely, but it mm. maybe. <laughs> that's a that's a that's standing on shaky ground right there. What do you think? Well, I I still I think that if you Are thinking about what you're going to say to someone when they're talking to you, you're already out of the loop. I mean, you're not giving the person the opportunity to express themselves. So you can't be thinking about what is control, self-control of your thoughts. You can't be thinking about what you're going to, your response is to what this person is saying. And I think that's where the walls come up. We're not really hearing people when we engage and because we're thinking about what we're going to say, how we're going to how we're going to respond to what they're doing, and you don't have to respond. You have to think about it. What the person said, you have to really give them the opportunity to express themselves, and then don't be so quick to respond. With my kids, they don't want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> they already told me we heard all the stories, Mom. We don't need to hear them again. Um, don't compare, no comparisons. We, we don't want any comparisons. We don't need them. Yeah. They don't want to hear stories from when I grew up and how it was. And I want to hear that because to them, that's ancient. It's almost like, look back in so-and-so, <laughs> that's how they talk. This is 2022. It's quite different now. That's how they talk. They're 12. They are 12 years old. But, um, it's funny, I'm going to give you this example. We have move, family movie night. And the rule, we have one rule. We each get to choose a movie each week and we watch as a family. Which means that if you don't like what I've chosen, and of course it's, you know, we wouldn't choose something that wasn't appropriate. But um, if you don't like it, you can't get up and leave. You have to stay. But Jeremy likes to get up and leave. But he'll he'll want us to watch Oversimplified. He'll want us to watch uh, some anime show that's like two and a half hours, and and we'll watch. But if you want to watch King Richard, for example, which is the new Will Smith movie and a story about um, Mr. Williams. Uh, 
the father of Venus and Serena, he became emotionally overwhelmed during the movie. And Jeremy did, yes, twelve year old son, and yeah. and basically wanted to get up and leave like he usually does on movies. So I resisted that. I said no in a firm tone, you know, no, this is, you have to watch the movie with the family. I don't want to watch it. It's too, too, too much emotion for me. So he was able to walk away from it because obviously there must be something that he's dealing with. He doesn't know what it is and the rule does not apply even though I've seen him do this with wonder in the movie theater, which he wanted to leave the theater on. This is pre-pandemic. And um, we made him stay because we weren't <laughs> going home, and he ended up enjoying it. Wonder? Which yeah, the movie the... The was about a little boy. I can't remember. I think it was Wonder. I think that was the name of it. Really good movie. This is about... Maybe two, three years ago. Okay. Y'all, you're not going to the movies at this point, I'm gathering? Well, I haven't been, yeah. but I am I wanted to take the kids to see Spider-Man this, um, this week, actually. I think we're probably the last family that <laughs> hasn't even seen it, so <laughs> I think it's be. time for us <laughs> to like move. But um, there's a AMC theater oh, I remember that, that is movie. pretty empty. Okay. So, yeah. Great movie. So I was really torn and frustrated about it. And I think I yelled, too, because I was like, you always do this. So I kind of lost it, which is not good. But, um, you know, my kid plays tennis. And it was funny, about a, a week ago, I, sh I happened to show him um, McEnroe and Sampras, which I remembered was an awesome match. And I thought it would be great for Jeremy to see it because Matt couldn't control his, his his temper, but he still was the man, you know. And Pete Sampras was just this young, talented player who came right at him. So it was a perfect match, and they are part of the uh, King, Richard King Richard story. story yeah. So Jeremy noticed that right away because it wasn't long ago that I showed him that, but he still would not sit and watch that movie. So I haven't dealt with this emotional thing that he's experiencing, but he's going to have to learn how to face that with us, with his family, because he's safe there. And this is just me and my approach to it, where he can't wiggle out like that all the time. He's going to be somewhere where he can't wiggle. He may have, that may be the time where he's just stuck there. And how are you going to handle it if you keep running from whatever that is? So we have to find, uh, Lisa and I have to find the right way of handling that. And me losing my cool is not it. You know? Right. Not not likely. Yeah. Maybe, no. but... I got to listen more to him. Listen, you're, yeah, that's tying it back into the general context of listening. But parenting it is a unique context in and of itself for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. It's the most important role. Probably, I mean, I think it's the most important 
role, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether you are a parent or you simply have parents or don't have parents for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's how you, how we as a culture primarily, first and foremost, pass on wisdom and knowledge and information and traditions and, and keep a culture either alive and or evolving mm-hmm. hopefully both so there are sure unique that. situations that a yeah that parenting brings a brings to it of course and there there should be and then there's unique ways that people parent and there should be i think and i use that word on purpose should and the general i think what you're tying back into is the need to listen and what does this mean about this whole morality thing <laughs> on a broader scale not just with a mother son or parent and daughter or parent and son and vice versa hmm. so we haven't got you know we of course we've acknowledged you you have a <clears throat> relationship with Whitney Houston that's primary to who you are relationship with you knew Michael Jackson among Many well, other people. I didn't people. really know. No, like, fair. yeah, and but that's. I, I was just, in his. <laughs> I was in his space, and he was. He was. There's just a random example of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've met people that are, that catalyze a, a reaction from mm-hmm. from others, mm-hmm. and there are ones. Unfortunately, they're both. They've both passed, but there are many who are alive, and this tendency is not new, and it's it's continuing, and I. We haven't named any specific examples that are relevant to 2022. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the past, the present, and the future. The only specific example thus far that's relevant to today is, is parenting, but I guess I'm tempted to, you know, this freedom word, I keep seeing it like right behind your head, and freedom of speech um, being a phrase that goes hand in hand with that word. Don't you think when you think of freedom of speech, don't you think people should really think about what they're going to say before they say it? Or you just think you should just come off the top of your head and just say, you know what, actually, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you you have to be held accountable of what you're saying, especially like with this microphone. I, although yeah. we didn't rehearse the anything. the more public you are, the more you probably... I don't know if it's a matter of should, but ideally, would people be more responsible the more they recognize their power? <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Well, you know, we, we're known to be reckless. Well, I actually don't think that power catalyzes, um, what's the phrase, um, corruption. I think it catalyzes the ignorance, a willingness to ignore. I've said this a couple times. I think power actually has a more direct catalyst on our willingness to ignore things mm-hmm. actually that's what i more often perceive is that the more power somebody has the more capable and willing they seem to be to ignore a lot <laughs> the long list i'm very that that's to me the tragedy of becoming quote unquote conventionally powerful never mind what even you say, but saying and doing any any expression, like you said, the freedom to express yourself. Though, mm-hmm. but that's the trick. You want to, we want to maintain that. So right now, I think it's a relatively, I, I I almost begrudgingly bring this up, but it's relevant. It's a relatively popular topic right now. Um, I've been noticing. I haven't even been looking for it. It's just there. 
is this whole thing about Joe Rogan and his use of microphones and podcasts oh, and Spotify and yeah. people literally I hate that I'm even bringing this up like but it's relevant to the public and um come on Neil Young it bothered him tell me I don't know Neil well Neil did you meet Neil I forget if mm-hmm. you, yeah was it you telling me about his uh how he <laughs> Was recording on the lake. Was that you? Was that an example I'm, from you? I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't meet him on the lake, but um, I love his music. Um, and I, I went to see him in concert. Yeah. Do I have Mike? I, sometimes I get Neil Young. There's a Neil Young and there's a Neil something else. But, Diamond? They're different people. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> not September morn. I like him too, but no, not him. Do you want me to sing? So it was Neil Young. I can go Sweet Caroline if you Sweet want. Sweet Caroline. No, no. Um, but Neil Young had music on Spotify. and Oh, is he taking it off? He asked them to take it down. That's that was well, his. So that's a perfect example. I mean, he's well, about as big a musician as it gets. Well, it's because of Rog- Rogan. I know. That's why I brought. I uh-huh. I really was like, I even want to bring this. Crap okay, up. so Brene Brown is not releasing new podcasts. Well, look, there are there's a heck of a lot of folks on Spotify. Yeah, not everyone <laughs> felt was touched by what Rogan was doing. These people were. I'm not even and aware of what they're specifically. I think he, you know what? I don't listen to yeah. the man, but um, evidently he was spreading some untruth stuff. stuff. That's all I know. <laughs> That's all I know. Um, I, I sure did read it specific. had to do with the, um, I think it had to do with COVID. COVID. Yeah. And, um, Neil Young has product on this platform, yeah. and it's in his right to say, no, I don't want it. He didn't say, take him off. He said, take my stuff take off my stuff because off. this. and Yeah, and that's what I saw Brandon and, Brown and saying, too. At, that's their right, but there are a heck of a lot of other artists on there. And, you know, so are they going to f- follow suit? You know, I, d- I don't know. I'm just not sure what that accomplishes. Well, it makes Neil feel better if they take his stuff off. He doesn't want to be part of it. I don't think. Oh, great! I don't. Well, <laughs> good look, for Neil because Neil can be on another platform. I didn't realize he was uncomfortable. Well, I don't know how much money. You know, <laughs> obviously, it's exposure for him, and he doesn't want to be part of that platform if they're if he's sharing that house with people who are doing things that don't make him feel you know great so that's a really good example your or wording sharing that house so we're all sharing this the biggest house yeah. being the planet yeah so spotify is just a microcosm of the overall civilization the the culture of being of the whole species yeah, I just don't. I'm just not sure that that's a productive well, approach. Well, I don't know what it. Let me give you another approach. Uh, yeah, this, way back, yeah, way back in the '80s, late '80s, rap music had just come out, and like these NWA were, and, and Public a- Enemy, absolutely. Yeah. 
And they are talking. Which people listen to today still. Very. Exactly. <laughs> and they were, their music was about their experiences. It right. was real stuff. They weren't making it up. And the powers that be, the Senate the, went after the record companies, the radio stations to take that music off the radio. Right. I remember. Yeah. But it was real stuff that was going on. We wouldn't have known what was going on if the people weren't making music to let us know what was going on. Not as much, yeah. Not not as efficiently, not as not with as much power. You well, know. you don't live there, so you don't yeah. know what they're experiencing. Um, you know, the news, they turn the lights on when there's destruction. That's how we see it. Yeah, they and, shed light on something that's worth knowing about. Correct. To say the least. Yeah. So they went to the record companies to turn that music off. Radios pull it off the radio station. And then they found ways to say They mean the government. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um and sometimes it wasn't it didn't start with the government. It may have started with the police. School board. Yeah. Yeah, all, all down the line. And that's what you do. You go, you attack whatever it is that you don't want there. You you want to erase it. With Neil, he had product there. He, he had product that he created. And he chose to say, I don't want my product to live here. Because, you know, if you know his music... It's his personal experience. It's how he feels. It's nothing, you know, pointing fingers at you or this or that. And it's beautiful music. And he just decided, I don't want it there. To me, that's that's fair. Oh, yeah. Well, in the, the minor, yeah, everybody's particular example is fair. No, but you're saying, no, I'm, there's no such thing as fair. Most people don't even believe in fair, but... It's only Depends fair on what because we mean by fair, yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's what he wanted. He has you the know? freedom. <laughs> he has the freedom to say, you know, I don't want to go to your restaurant because I don't like your food. I don't like what you're serving. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take my my you know I'm gonna remove myself from here. And what's Spotify going to do? Wait and see how many people leave? Or or do nothing? So, I mean, I, I, I think that's kind of fair. It's kind of like if you're touring, you can choose to go into a 40,000-seat facility or... You can stay in the country longer and do 15,000, do, go to visit the different towns, uh, you know, p- play a gymnasium that's 10,000, play there a couple of nights and get more people. So it just, just depends mm-hmm. on what you want to do and how you want to do it and who you want to reach. Couldn't find out some reason i'd have thought that maybe neil young had actually been a guest on that podcast that i couldn't find out quickly enough you, you know he wasn't Mm-mm. yeah i mean so many people have though 
<laughs> I couldn't name one. Oh, yeah, but you know a lot who have. I um, do. Off the top, oh, Bernie Sanders, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Tulsi Gabbard, oh. um, Elon Musk. There's okay. Hundreds of people you would know, I'm sure. Or at least. No, I, a I know lot. those, but I don't tune in. No, I'm not saying I do either, but I, I know it. I mean, you don't have to to know about it. Clearly, you knew about Neil Young. You don't tune in. You don't have to tune in I, to I, know about it. I caught it on That's, my news. <laughs> exactly. It's headline, headlines. I, there, we're not going to come up with an answer here, but I'm pointing to what I know a lot of people are going to have a more moral kind of reaction to, a more vitriol reaction to, which is the pouring gasoline kind of uh, so, um, essence of, of all of this. Um, I'm not convinced that it's, I don't know what's what it's going to solve playing these kind of games. And, you know, to your, you know, Dre, Ice Cube, Easy E analogy, or Chuck D and... Mm -hmm. uh, Flava Flav analogy. Are we who is who are they in this metaphor? They, <laughs> it's not very clear. <laughs> they were freedom of speech. And of course we're not saying Rogan is Dr. Dre, but Oh no, no. Yeah. Totally no. But he's saying whatever he wants. That's freedom of speech too. Yeah. But he is talking about something that affects all of us differently. Here's so, my bottom line, I guess. I think a lot of people have too black or white an attitude about these kinds of, and that was not an intended pun, of course, as there often is not, hmm. too too moralistic an attitude about these topics. And they're not willing to just wreck. It's easier to just have a right-wrong attitude than to really have no attitude. Mm, okay. Like what... I just don't see how any of this benefits in the long game for us all. Well, with this whole virus thing that we're going along, finding out more about it. What are we finding out? Well, like how you can live in the same household with someone, yeah. sleep in the same bed with that person. They get the virus and you don't. Seemingly so, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Seemingly. So that's how. Yeah. That's families how. Families had that experience. Well, yeah. that's what I mean. That's how it's it's so it affects. Everyone. Oh, that's how it was in your home, right? Well, that's how it's been in yeah. home. I I have not had um, the virus, or you know, but I know a lot of people who have, and I've been around them so when they ask have you been exposed to someone that you think may or test well yeah but i didn't get it i am fully vaccinated and boosted and i'd get another booster if it came through um that okay i'd go get boosted so i've already i'm on that track but i do have family members who are on another track and I do listen to them because I care about them. I love them. And 
I want to understand. There you go. So there's a more in-your-face context family. But the difference is that the things they talk about, it's almost like they did this, they did this, this stuff is intentional. That, That might be true. I got no proof of that. I can't even go down that hole. You know, and then it's, um, watch, it's going to be another virus right after that. And then you don't treat a virus with a vaccine. And, uh, you know, they have all these theories and all this. And to me, if you're peddling that, it's just, that makes more confusion. This is a great article. My gen, this is the, more or less the title of it. It's obviously a... (laughs) a very unique title. My gentle, intelligent brother is now a conspiracy theorist and his beliefs are shocking. And then under that, the it's like subtitle in quotes is, while other family members refuse to engage, I'm triggered into a primordial rage by the videos he texts me because he loves me and wants to help me wake up before it's too late. Mm-hmm. That was a HuffPost article that, of course, caught my attention. That word, conspiracy... I mean, there are people that I know say we do our research. Yeah. And they think that's to like a conspiracy, you know, someone that is like really into diving into that and really, you know, trying to figure this out and that out. You think something's wrong with that. That's what they say to me. And I'm like, I don't have the time to do that. I don't. You know, I'll do research on something, you know, a company if I'm looking up. But I, the unknown, like just digging into it. And, oh, it's all unknown. It's almost all unknown, right? Well, no one's come back to me and said, who was in the laboratory? Who did this? <laughs> how they did it? And if you, if you have that, those details, I want to know. Hell yeah. If you can prove anything, I'm interested. But that's so clearly not happening. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And to the theme here that which we've touched on about listening, which is such a I'm so glad that was that's more or less the theme of our Mm -hmm. of this conversation and the the unparalleled importance of that condemning is not listening condoning isn't even listening considering something to be evil and moral or immoral does not reflect listening Mm -hmm. does not reflect that opening and i am not suggesting that there isn't a need to have boundaries i am suggesting that if we truly and this is hard believe me i've gotten fired up about crazy kooks is just as much as the rest of us but i also see that it is all it seems i'm willing to say it seems absolutely counterproductive if the long game is to shift culture to one of greater ease for as many of us as possible mm-hmm. which there clearly are not enough of us there is no value i can see and i could be wrong in playing into those condemnation games no matter how stupid i think somebody seems or inherently hypocritical or whatever other strong wording there could be if this is a provocative meant to be a provocative statement i don't think we live in 
I don't think we're dealing with any kind of unique culture war. I think we just live in a culture of war. And so if you truly give a shit about that, <laughs> I don't think these games are the way to go. Mm. For the most part. And I could be wrong, but it doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it. I think we just need to be, just a, show a bit more care. Well, I think you're right about listening. For, what you, I'm, I'm for I'm, others. I'm echoing your, no, your no, no. sentiments of listening. No, yeah. no, no. You're, you're right. It's, it's. We need to be kinder to each other. And I. And that, for some reason, takes a lot. Like, respect the other person. The mask. I haven't met one person that says, I love wearing this thing. <laughs> Not one. But I've met several that said, I hate this thing. I mean, oh, yeah. so so many. And I said, you know, like, I feel like I'm do you the really one. think I like wearing this thing? There are places I go and I, I think <laughs> it's like, you're offending them at this point. That's the perception sometimes. Like, if you wear a mask or if you don't? If I wear it in certain public places and not only do I, I, it may, it could be my own insecurity and projection, like I'm some kind of buzzkill, but it's like, I also, <clears throat> I sometimes just think like I'm coming across as, uh, well, not coming across as, but I think there is, there are people who take offense to that as if like you're, um, they take it personally that you're like wearing it, let alone, or that you're still wearing it, let alone wearing it at all sometimes. Well, I was listening to a uh, podcast the other day. I think it was on um, The Daily. And um, it was really interesting. And it was, And they basically broke it down to Republicans underestimate the pandemic and Democrats overestimate mm -hmm. the pandemic. And they used uh, one example was if you are fully vaccinated and boosted, but still won't go eat in restaurants and, you know, it was just really or come to a hot, or come to a Christmasy right. or end of year party. Right. It was really business. interesting because I was listening to it like, OK, well, if okay. yeah, if what was the conclusion? It, it was it was just then you're you bought into getting the vaccine, but you're still not letting your guard down. You're not. You should feel like you can go to these places because the chances of you getting anything is you definitely won't be ill or, you know, th this is what yeah. they said. The argument is you're going to potentially get it and then transmit it to somebody, though. Yeah. Well, right now, it's like About it's just end. a matter of time when we all get it. That's that's what it seems. That's the Everybody's road we're going been down. saying that from the beginning, <laughs> though. I've heard people say that starting in spring of 2020. Well, it's going to keep kicking around because you have those who, because we don't know how this thing carries and transmits, I mean, within your confines of your home, if your family, if someone has it in the house and you all have been living in there, walking around, you all should get it. 
but that's not the case. So it's almost like, <laughs> what if we started out with everybody wearing a mask? Like everyone, okay, we don't know what's going on, folks. Everybody wear a mask. Right, but unless that's unless there's a legal precedent for that, it's not going to happen, obviously. What legal precedent could it be? Like I'm talking- You in the wear event. it or you are fined or go to jail. Then. Oh, yeah. but I'm saying it's not going to happen without being enforced. That's never going to happen without being enforced. I think we've proven that. Well, we proved that we were like really knuckleheads when we started out. And nobody, you know, going into a store, if the sign said, <laughs> wear a mask and you're going to fight the people because you're not that, that is to me it disrespectful. Took like, and- it took hours for people to make shirts that were anti-jab, as they started calling it, once the vaccine was available. I'm sure it took. I'm right. sure people already had them prepared as of February 2020, before there was even a conversation like, about it. And where's all that coming from? Well, that's. I think that's the essence of this exploration together, and it's because I mean I always look for themes. Neil Young's not right, nor is Joe Rogan right. No and right I, or it's wrong. Cuckoo to even. For what it's worth, it's. Not crazy to have imagined Neil Young being on that show because people like him have been. Many people like him have been. Um, meaning of that caliber of success and celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and even mindset, you know, just purely creative and and um, even you could say left mindset. So to have thought that is not crazy. Um, but I think what we're hitting on consistently, or at least I'm going to keep, highlighting that potential theme Mm. is not getting caught up in these right and wrongs, but sticking to the listening, sticking as much as consistently possible to the listening. I'm just amazed at how easily people, how hard it is to do that and how quickly people don't do that. And almost how much cherry picking there is with which situation to do that. The condemnation, con- the condemning or condoning games mm-hmm. are so deeply ingrained in our culture and our psyche. And a culture of ease within oneself doesn't do that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And, and that's why I'm not talking about mandating this or saying or forcing people to do this. You ask them, listen, this is what we have to do. But for some reason, there's this voice that's that seems to know that don't put this vaccine in your body because the, and they're pushing that. And I chose to go ahead and get the vaccine. And I really don't know what it will do, you know, later on down the line. I don't know. Right. I, I you know, I do believe that the body is capable of healing itself, and um, we don't need to put all this other stuff in it to for it to perform for us. But there's so much with the foods that we eat and, you know, just the elements every day, you know, we have this other stuff. So I chose to give it the extra armor that I felt, you know, I could 
my body could could handle. But I really don't know. You know, I read what it is, you know, but I, I don't know. For, I'm taking their word that this is what it is. But I've also seen people die. And uh, a lot of people die without the vaccine. And, um, and the illnesses that I heard people have experienced during and prolonged afterwards, I don't want to experience any of that. So for my family, I ch- we chose to, we prayed on it and went and just, you know, that's our, where our heads are. Our minds are moving forward and doing what we can to not only protect ourselves, but others too. And some of my family members have come around, but the other ones, I'm not talking down to them or being mean, but they can't come over. They can't come over. It's it's the truth. And you you chose that route, but here's here's the deal. And even people who are vaccinated, is this overthinking it if we're going to get together? For you to get tested first before we come over, before you come over for a small gathering, I don't know who you're running around with. Is that over, overthinking the thing? You know, you know if if you say that you're fully vaccinated and boosted, and I invite you over, um, is it safe for us to just take off the mask and eat? You know, and I have two children that go to school and. There's an outbreak there every other day. We get the notices, you know. There is literally a case at school every other day. So we knew when the schools were open that that's what would happen because there are kids who are vaccinated and kids who are not. But kids, you know, they are like little little germ, germ carriers. They bring home everything. But there were a lot of parents that wanted the schools open, and on both sides, they felt like it um, was, you know, really hurting kids not having them in school. Do you agree with that, that not having the kids in school and having that virtual thing is was, like, not good for them? Even Gr- though Griffin we did knew all that of, would happen. He did like a year and a half cause, or a year and a quarter, we'll say. End of third grade and all of fourth grade virtually. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he, he would do it. He would keep doing it if he could, I think. Uh-huh. And that, so there begs, you know, therein is the sort of pause in terms of answering your question. And generally do I, there is so much to unpack there because I immediately go to the, complexity of values and the complexity of of effects from being in school and the the never mind the curriculum but mm-hmm. the structure of a school day the mm-hmm. desks the sitting the mm-hmm. impact on just of course movement mm-hmm. being where i immediately go i don't have a an absolutist that's kind of the essence of, I'm glad I didn't use that word until the end of this mm-hmm. episode, which mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons, we will have to pause, least of all because of time, but I'll, I'll tell you, I have a, a fun little twist for us in a okay. second here. But um, I, I don't have an absolutist attitude about it. I think the option is imperative. I think choice is imperative. Mm-hmm. I think 
do I generally, am I glad Griffin's going to school? Yeah. 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 For a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it ideal? No. For Mm -hmm. a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. That's not unique though. That's not a position that is new to me. That's a position that's relevant to a broader context, which is why I always come back, Mm -hmm. whether I mean to or not, to the the most inclusive and, and broad and considerate contexts. And you and I, this has been fun. I'm, I'm bummed we're going to need to pause. But one, because of time, and two, I have a unique little twist. Okay. Are you okay if we pause? I, I kind of, yeah. I mean, this was such, this was unexpected content to say the least. Well, I didn't know what we'd get into, I, um, but I, I love it. I can pause. Yeah. <laughs> pause. Pause. Well, <clears throat> are you okay if we spice this up for a second? Sure. All right, all right. So we'll pause this. Yep. Okay, hold on, hold that thought then. To be. All right, I won't say much more because that was just part one and there's a part two. Thank you for listening to part one. If you have any questions, as always, please reach out and ask them. It's best to, and well, quite frankly, it's best to keep the conversation going as well. So please ask. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, go enjoy part two. I won't be giving much of an intro there either. Just going to let you roll right into it since I think, I think I said enough in the beginning of this episode. Thank you. Enjoy. See you at the other side.